Good shirt. I Thank like you. Shirt. I appreciate it. That's... I actually have the same exact shirt, which is uh, which is why I think it's so good. Yeah, maybe a different size. That's my guess. I don't know, man. I'm a I'm pretty much a consistent XL. Okay. It's then we'll not... say we won't. We don't yeah. need to get into specifics then, <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> the thing about uh, the thing about getting older, and uh, I would imagine most people that listen to us are probably about our age. Sure. But there's a point in your life where you just accept the size you are. Now, not everybody does it. Sometimes you'll go out in public, go to the gym or whatever, and there's a 40 year old dude who's wearing like a medium when he should be an XL, and he's like, it looks he got like the sausage casing fit. Yeah. And you're like, man, I know that like when you were 25 or whatever, you <clears throat> did definitely wear a medium and then you just never change. You just wearing the same thing you wore in like 2008, but it's time. You just have to accept the fact that, uh, that you are an XL. Of course, we all have the excuse. We're like, ah, you know, companies, they make their shirts smaller now. And it's like, they might, <laughs> they might. Yeah. Yeah. You know how, you know how the United States has been getting smaller and companies have been changing their size to smaller for years, obviously. It's it doesn't help that we grew up in an era when everything was oversized, you know, yeah. the nineties and it's cool that the nineties look is back. You know, kids now are wearing the nineties look again, baggy, everything. That's what we grew up with. And then the dramatic shift in the two thousands to, we're going to have everything be uh, well, basically skin tight. That didn't help us much. That didn't help us as we aged at all. What's the, what's the last shirt you, what you had that you like really badly wanted to keep and had to give up? Oh man, I still have, I have like two totes full of t-shirts in my garage. Yeah. Just so you have given so up the dream of being a medium again, is what you're saying. No, no, I definitely have some, no, actually the mediums, there was a time in my life where I wore mediums and I've given those away. Uh, there are some larges in there still. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've kept the stuff around in, in hopes that it uh, one day would fit again, but worst case scenario, 20 years from now uh i just sell it all as vintage stuff right i mean that's that's, that's how it works hundred dollar t-shirts i'm sure america will be a lot skinnier by then of course that's the way we're trending <laughs> and so those things will be very valuable and have a large market of course hey uh just so everyone knows we're using a different streaming service uh so if there's something wrong please comment because <laughs> i we did we did one a while back where i was like oh you're in my volume we're so different from each other and yeah. that's actually, by the way, something we would love to know is if Alex and my volume are way different from each other, please let us know that because uh, it's hard for us to tell on here. Yeah, we got a, uh, it's nice to have a new platform, I guess. I don't know. Sure. They're all the Who same. To me. They're all the yeah. same. You had to it's... click a different, you didn't get a thumbnail when I sent you the link. That's one difference. Uh, that's true. We'll yeah. see. This is going to allow us to get to more people and hopefully have better audio quality. So uh uh, maybe it'll be more fun. Maybe not. It seems like it's going all right so far. There, we have a similar amount of listeners. People haven't dropped off just because they are uh, they hate our boycott of of Streamyard. You haven't uh, you haven't talked about your comedy yet, which is usually a big deterrent for most of our listeners. Yeah, so they really drop off good. when I start. I did. I did. I have a. I blended comedy and sports this weekend, though. That that's nice. I got to oh, talk really? to uh, to a former NFL punter that you might be familiar with about oh, yeah. the Mike McDonald hire. So that was that was nice. Uh, he what was, were his thoughts? This is John Ryan. I assume. this is this is a uh, former Seahawks punter John Ryan, husband of very funny comedian Sarah Colonna, who I worked with in Spokane. 
He said basically what I think you said and what a lot of people thought, which is that he assumed it was going to be Dan Quinn from the, like from the get go. That's what he assumed. Yeah. And, uh, it didn't end up happening that way. Obviously he was happy. He would have been happy with that. He liked Dan Quinn, um, as a coach, even though he wasn't like his position group coach, but, uh, they got the, the youth movement happened, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it's, we'll talk about it a little bit, but it, yeah. it, the whole, the way the whole thing played out is kind of hilarious. At least if you're not a Washington commanders fan, it, it seems like the commanders had this expectation that they were going to hire Mike McDonald. Uh, the Seahawks got to him first or offered him more money or just a better situation in general. Sure. And then they were left over with the sloppy seconds of Dan Quinn. It was like, as soon as McDonald was hired by the Seahawks, the commanders had no choice. There was only two, uh, there was only two options as it turned out for those two jobs. It was McDonald and Quinn. Nobody else was on the table and they end up with Dan Quinn, which I really don't think is a terrible hire. I know, you know, I, I thought when the commanders hired Ron Rivera, they were like really trending in the wrong direction, but you know, Dan Quinn's not, not the worst. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on that. And I, I wouldn't have been completely upset if he ended up in Seattle, but I would like, would have been very unexciting. And so, but first off, I don't, we gotta, we're, we'll set up the show. I want, we're going to talk about Mike McDonald. We're going to talk about the Seahawks coaching staff because it's still in flux. There's still stuff happening. We're going to talk about, uh, I want to talk to you. I want to present you some Geno Smith scenarios because we're approaching the deadline for when this, it's not like the last chance the Seahawks have to make a move with Geno Smith, but it's a logical deadline for for them to either release or trade more likely release Geno yeah. Smith. The Huskies made another, uh, another big coaching hire. That's interesting. Uh, that's a, the Seattle has become an interesting place for coaches in the last, I didn't football coaching. The football coaching hot stove is not something I'm used to caring about. And yeah, it's suddenly, a weird, it's a, I mean, yeah, there's been so, especially with the Seahawks, there's been so much consistency over the last decade and a half and even the huskies yeah. have been pretty consistent even though they've had turnover so yeah it's it's weird to think that there's all these big name you know quote unquote big name people coming here whether you believe it or not so yeah we can talk about that yeah but first before we get into any of that i, I want to talk about two things one is let's let me promote some shows because people love when i do that we've learned <laughs> uh the biggest one is march 15th and 16th i will be recording a comedy special at tacoma comedy club sixth and proctor location Alex will not be in attendance because he's a bad friend. Um, it seems I like never set foot in that comedy club. No. <laughs> I've driven past it. It's very nondescript. Not that's no offense to them. It's I'm sure. They it's have a great a, how long club. ago did you drive past it? Um, less than a month. It's okay, because they have a, a big ago. sign out now. They have a they have a yeah. uh, a big like mural that says Grit City Breakfast. I was actually just in there within the hour because I had to do a couple uh, audio fixes in there, and I wanted to. Uh, they have a new secret wing flavor that's coming out that i'm not going to give any details on but i'm the guy what alex gets out when alex when sports teams have a new thing they want to promote or a commercial they want to do they call alex and when a place wants to release new wings that (laughs) i'm the one they call that's so you tried (laughs) these wings and they're good i tried them they're very very good i can't give any details at this point um, yeah you don't have to give any details but the secret flavor can't be like too exotic if they were good well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it will be unoffensive. I would say it is right now. They only offer Buffalo lemon pepper and naked. I think, I think you can get them naked. And, uh, these are, this is, I would say in between those two things, spice wise, but like a fully different flavor profile. So Tacoma comedy club, pretty good with their food. Pretty yeah, good. I agree with that. And especially by the way, I think a lot of people I've talked to, you know, this is like very boring talk, but 
people give comedy clubs a hard time. It's a tough gig to be a cook or a server and seat 200 people at once and have to serve them all before the show starts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's not, you're, you're not uh, focused on the uh, culinary aspects of a comedy club. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and and so like, yeah, sometimes your food may take a little while. They're they're They can't offer like a, there are places that offer, there's a place in Washington state that is a comedy club that offers a prime rib and uh prime rib and comedy ticket combo, which is like, I cannot think of a worse food to be eating during a comedy show or to sit through a comedy show after maybe if you gave somebody like a yeah. full turkey breast is maybe the only exception you, you would uh you'd feel pretty heavy yeah <laughs> if you had a full prime also usually at comedy clubs the tiny little table that you're sharing with two people you don't know at all is not enough space to actually eat like you have enough space for like one shareable dish and they have yeah. one shareable dish but you know unless you're there with a group that fills up an entire big table by yourself it can just be be tough to do anything more than drink at a comedy club so yeah yeah i've also been on stage when i'm very happy that the audience members don't have steak knives fair yeah i mean look if the uh strip clubs in portland can offer up full meals with steak and prime rib things like that why can't a comedy club that's true so uh <laughs> my up other upcoming shows i'll be uh at whiskey gulch with gabe rutledge february 12th i'll be at the large downtown tacoma comedy club on valentine's day with andrew rivers uh, Laugh Tech at you know, I think like Good Brewing or something in Bothell. We'll get a better better plug on that next <laughs> week. Uh, Tacoma Comedy Club's Small Club for a crowd work show on February 18th, and then uh, we'll leave it at that for now because um, I have a decent amount of shows. Also, some of them have been in flux. And shout out to Frank Castro. My wife was getting a little bit anxious about how many comedy shows I had, and we're gonna try to either we canceled or maybe we'll reschedule. Um, We'll reschedule the uh, the show at Bickerson's Ballard. So check I feel like, your eyes uh, up for that. Yeah, I feel like February is a good time for comedy shows because um, look, whether you like whether you like comedy or not, there's just not that much to do in February. <laughs> so if you have nothing better to do, go see these guys. <laughs> Mike Hansen said, "What two people listening will know the secret?" Because Mike Hansen is listening on Facebook. That's not the only place we have listeners, folks. We have listeners all over YouTube. X and Facebook. Those are the options. <laughs> um, Pretty soon, right. Blue Sky. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know how to get on there. Rumble. Yeah. I would, I'd put the show What's on Rumble? Rumble, by the way. Rumble, Rumble sounds like, like a very interesting YouTube. Date. Oh, okay. It sounds like a dating app. It's got a very interesting name. Just <laughs> it does, just it like does seem like Tinder for fights. I think there is a. I think there is an app yeah. that's like a Tinder to find a street fight in your area, by the way. <laughs> that's that's true. okay. I don't need that. No, yeah. you need it, Alex. You uh, need it. It's not for me. There's enough street fighting where we live. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's my question. The Pro Bowl. They've changed it in recent years. By the way, I actually realized this. This is uh, the closest we're going to get to a one-year anniversary of this podcast. We Our first wow. episode of this podcast dropped February 8th, or I'm wrong. That's another option. We might have that, sound, that sounds about right. Yeah, it was... Uh... It was cold outside because I definitely uh, overdressed for your hot ass house yes. uh, and was sweating the entire time that we were recording our first podcast. So that was uh, miserable. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you, we Since we have gone to not in-person podcasts, your sweat is less obvious. I assume it's still The quality of life is better. I'm a, you know, 10 years ago, I was a pretty heavy sweater. 
I've improved. <laughs> Things have improved. I don't was know it, why. That was an improvement? Yeah. That's, that's wild for what you were doing my, live Here's on what I've learned. This is what I've learned. My body temperature just doesn't regulate. If it's cold outside, I go outside and I'm like, it's cold. And as soon as I go into like a room temp environment, it doesn't come back down from that. It's like, oh, you're burning now. You're dying. Yeah. And my body just kicks into sweat gear. I think that's, here's the thing. I've been at points in my life, I've been pretty skinny and I still sweat crazy even when I was skinny. So it's not even like a size thing. It's just, this is just what happens to me. It's very unfortunate. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> I, when I was a kid, I always thought I was like, one day I'm going to work hard enough to have that like ring down to like the between your your uh, pecs and i never get that but i do get like my lower back and under my tits and and then by the way that's a recent fat development my back i would get it all down my back <laughs> and my hat like pour through a hat you know oh man i uh i recently started playing basketball again and for like about 15 years up until the last like couple years i would play basketball a couple times a week every week all the time and uh i am a, i am a nightmare to guard not because i'm amazing at scoring <laughs> but because i will sweat through both sides of my shirt I, at one point i you know I, you, moisture wicking apparel is obviously very popular for the gym i'd wear moisture wicking shirts and i was like i'm now i'm making it everyone else's problem so yeah I, i've i've kind of reverted back to uh to cotton when i play basketball i'll i'll own the problem myself i will absorb the sweat myself i don't want to pass that on to other people you're, you were uh, giving it the Costanza Yankee treatment. I don't know if that reference yes. resonates with you. Yes, it does. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. When when people say I sweat specifically in like this spot or this spot, and you you can point out specific spots on your body where you sweat. Mine is the whole thing, it's top to bottom, <laughs> head to toe. Just there's, to between toe. those toes is just a fountain. Yeah. Anytime um, I go do anything like uh, like heavy cardio or something, the next day my face will be all red. Cause just the sweat, just the salt and the sweat. Oh, it's the worst. This is real attractive. I'm just, I'm already married. The fact so that we haven't I'm not here to every anyone. listener at this point is, is bizarre to me. Um, <laughs> the pro bowl happened. It's been a couple of years now since they've played like the traditional bad pro bowl. There yeah. was a point where I felt like the pro bowl was somewhat entertaining, but it might've been a point that coincided with me not having much taste in what made something entertaining. I remember Curtis Warren uh, breaking the Pro Bowl record uh, for rushing yards and thinking that was a Kurt, big wait, deal. Curtis Martin or Chris Warren? Did I, did I say Curtis Martin? I meant Chris you said, Warren. You said Curtis Warren. You oh, combined uh, no, the two. I, no, I, th I think I just have a, I just have a like a, a mouth that uh, I just have a fumble mouth. Okay, yeah. But, uh, Chris Warren, but yeah, yeah. So, Seahawks legend. So did you watch any of the Pro Bowl is the question. And if so, how did you like it? And then did you watch any of the other stuff? Okay, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I'm glad that you brought this up because uh, I think it was Saturday morning. I just turned the TV on and I was looking for something to watch. And I saw that those Pro Bowl games were on like NFL Network and they'd been – they had aired the night before or something like that. So this was the the repeat, but who cares? You know, it's all the same. All this stuff is taped now. Uh, the Pro Bowl game stuff is actually pretty entertaining, but I'm the type of person, and I've said this before, I like the NBA All-Star Celebrity Basketball game, and I like the MLB All-Star Celebrity Softball game. I like two things. One, I like watching normal people do athletic shit when they have no business doing it. Two, I like really athletic people watching really athletic people do things that are not like within the realm of their sport necessarily yes. 
because in every situation, regardless of those two two aspects, people are going to struggle, and it's just fun to watch. It's just fun to watch them struggle at things they don't normally do. I don't know; it's entertaining to me. So when I turned on those Pro Bowl games, the first thing I saw was they were doing like the the punt catch competition where they had to hold as many footballs as they could in one hand and then catch a punt with the other kind of entertaining did yeah. they switch to like a, a closest to the pin contest which apparently they taped at like a golf course somewhere yep. and uh it was hilarious there was like two punters in this closest to the pin competition which i feel like they had to have a cap on kickers and punters because otherwise the whole thing would have been kickers and punters and they would have actually been good so they have like two punters. The rest of the guys are actual football players and they are terrible, terrible golfers. It's like a 130 yard par three green that they're trying to hit. And like half of them just like step up to the tee and shank it into the woods to the right. I was like, this is incredible. This makes the, me feel so much better. They did a long drive contest last year, which they might've done one this year also. But I remember there were some people who were like very obvious, like punters or quarterbacks who like very obviously are quality golfers. And then there yeah. were people who were like, like one guy I remember literally goes, yeah, YouTube what a golf swing is supposed to look like on the way here. <laughs> and so like, he just thought he could go in and be strong and hit a ball far. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, if you're young and you have some, like, like you don't have all this bad built up muscle memory of other sports, that's probably actually not too bad of a, a concept. Or if you've played a sport like baseball, where that's why like you and I, I think are, are can hit the ball decently far for two guys that aren't incredible athletes is uh, I swung a baseball bat for 20 years or something like that. And so I've got that motion pretty well down. Uh, yeah. Watching. That's why I miss pitchers hitting in baseball, by the way, is because I always <laughs> yeah. one. It's always just remarkably fun when they get a hit. When it, when Bartolo Colon hits a home run, that's so exciting. Like, why would you not want, why do you want to remove yeah. that? from baseball it, it was pretty wild that baseball i mean we'll look back on the pitchers hitting era and it'll be kind of confusing to people in the future because it was yeah. like they basically incorporated this aspect of this guy never does this but we're going to make him do it once a week kind of thing into their actual sport which is fascinating because no other sport really does that it's yeah. like when you go to a like a baseball game and there's a football player or a basketball player throwing out the ceremonial first pitch and like 95 percent of the time they cannot throw yeah. And it's shocking. You're like, man, this guy's an amazing athlete. Like, and then you watch class him athlete, <laughs> and then you watch him throw, and it looks like a kid from your elementary school class that had never picked up a ball in his life. You know, yeah. it's just, it's amazing to watch that kind of thing. And uh, I very much am intrigued by it. I, uh, I it actually makes me want to tune into the Pro Bowl games in the future. Uh, because it there is some sort of compelling element to it. Even watching dodgeball, like watching a little bit of the dodgeball competition, which in and of itself was kind of interesting. Some of those guys playing dodgeball cannot throw. And it's like you got these elite NFL players and they can't even throw a dodgeball at each other because they're just not equipped to throwing a ball. That's crazy. Did you watch any of the uh, the quarterback accuracy or like, I, I don't know what they actually called it, like pinpoint accuracy or something like that? Yeah, I saw a little bit of it. Uh, it's not that is not super interesting to me. Have you seen the highlights? Well, hold on. Like, okay, I'll yeah, tell you what's yeah. interesting about it to yeah. me is that these quarterbacks, you, you, they make it seem like I remember when my dad, when I was growing up, he'd be like, "These guys could hit a quarter forty yards away or something <laughs> like that." And then you watch them, and you're like, "What's well, a stationary target forty yards away?" And it's you know the full catch radius of a, a receiver. And I, I kind of think one thing it makes you appreciate is that. 
some part of accuracy is the receiver is on the receiver to become open to shield, you know, shield himself for a catch. Cause these guys are not dropping balls into five gallon buckets from 40 yards away. Like they'd have us believe, you know what I mean? Wasn't the final of that competition was like Baker Mayfield and CJ Stroud. Wasn't yes. it? it was like, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I mean, you can Patrick Mahomes in that thing might really impress, but when you get down to like the mid level of uh Pro Bowl. Well, that's another thing, too. I mean, for Geno Smith to make the Pro Bowl this year is such an indictment of the Pro Bowl. Even like Baker Mayfield had an okay season. (laughs) Yeah. But like, like is, I don't know if we've found like a squishy middle class of quarterbacks that we just like, there's 50 of them in the NFL or something like that. But, but it feels like the, there's like the, the, quarterbacks like seven through 50 there's not that much difference i mean just watching those pro bowl games like they are really fun they're actually somewhat compelling tv but you know historically guys would opt out of those all-star events all the time now that there's not even really a game i mean there's a flag football game they all do get you know anytime you win something in this competition you're getting paid so there is a financial incentive to be there but for a lot of these guys especially like the elite players in the nfl like why would you come out here and do this it's just not there's no real reason to do it if the and money lost doesn't the free to trip, trip to hawaii now right now it's like this year it was in florida like last year at least it was in vegas i think the first year of doing this having it be in vegas that's compelling to a lot of guys you know that's sure. a place they want to go hawaii obviously a place a lot of these guys take the free trip to hawaii you could take your family there and spend some extra days or whatever but going to florida it's like i mean these guys can go to florida anytime they want to so why would they necessarily want to do that i think they're it's very it's gonna be interesting to see if this like maintains itself i mean obviously the actual pro bowl when it was a real game was a joke and nobody really participated but um knowing like with the nba the nba has the all-star weekend and i feel like the dunk contest three-point contest all those little events the night before the game end up being more popular than the game itself and yeah probably the way to go if you're the nfl if you want people to still tune into your product in this week before the super bowl having these little competitions is kind of interesting if they did like uh they could do like a poker tournament among nfl players Dude, and i would watch great. that that's a great idea that. that's a great especially because that would be just world-class shit talk yeah you know what else i'd like to see just watch these guys do normal everyday shit that we do like uh we're gonna put you in front of a computer screen and we're gonna ask you to fill out this spreadsheet and see if you can do it you we know want, like, i want a words be- per minute typing contest <laughs> Some of these guys probably they would impress you, and other guys you'd be like, "Man, this guy is so stupid," or like, um, like play like a Prices Right type game where you have to tell us the prices of just random things and how much you think they <laughs> You're cost. You're obsessed because of Cliff Averill. You are obsessed with the <laughs> players knowing the prices of things. Yeah, when he when he thought milk cost twenty dollars a gallon, I'm like, "Holy shit!" Some of these guys have no idea because they've they've been catered to their whole lives, so sure. they don't have to think about these things. They don't know like the basics of like everyday living. I want I want to see them do everyday stuff. That's fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah. So I didn't watch any of the game though. That's what I'll say is like no. I agree with you basically is that the game is the least exciting part. These like skills competitions are more fun. This I feel the same about the NBA, the dunk contest, the three-point contest, yeah. baseball, the home run derby. There's nothing. I'm I, don't, I haven't watched a baseball all-star game. I mean I I watched part of this year's uh and like if it's in Seattle, I'll watch part of it, but like I mean we're talking 20 years or something since I've really tuned in like hardcore to a, a major league baseball all-star game. Um, yeah. All-star events have just become diluted. I mean, it used to be 
that it was your only chance to see a lot of these guys compete with each other and then against each other like with baseball yeah. like al versus nl that was that had novelty well, we also didn't interview. have like the full streaming platform to go like or like highlights at your fingertips and all that stuff yeah. so like truly to see like a like a barry bonds you might have to watch the all-star game if you're in an sure. american league city like we were yeah no it is it's it's just not the same it seems like you know especially with the nfl like getting honors these days is more about just you know having your name released in public as as a first team whatever you know and it seems like that might be the future of all of these sports and what they move to um rather than actually honoring somebody by having them play in a meaningless game because especially with everyone's concern about injuries and the way that you know sports give out contracts now like what is the point of playing meaningless games other than putting yourself at some sort of risk yeah absolutely yeah. geno smith no we got to talk about mike mcdonald first don't we i guess we do we well let's we talk almost, about him first we came very close to the scenario we were dreading which yep. was breaking like news last named. week. Oh, yeah, breaking yeah. during the podcast. It was like one day later, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe within 24 hours of the podcast, uh, yeah. Mike McDonald is named the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And I mean, this for you, I would imagine this is like a pretty good hire. What I thought was pretty funny is that when this whole process started for the Seahawks, everybody, you know, all the Seahawks fanboys wanted an offensive-minded coach. At first, sure. it was Ben Johnson. We all want Ben Johnson. Then when Ben Johnson was out, it was your boy Slowick. Or, like Slowick. Uh, you know, there's a couple other offensive names out there. But whoever was the top offensive guy, that's what everybody wanted in Seattle. As soon as the focus shifted to a defensive coach and Mike McDonald, it's like everybody forgot that previously they wanted an offensive guy. And this was the great hire that they'd wanted all along. And it's like, it just goes to show that like what people want is just the hot young thing, the hot new thing on the market. And they don't really care what it is. You know, it, they get their mindset on Ben Johnson, but when it becomes 36 year old Mike McDonald, great. That's all they care about. What they don't want is the retread Dan Quinn or any other retread out there. Sure. And I, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you that. I think that's definitely true. And I also think that those retreads sometime, when we look at these guys, like Bill Belichick was a retread. Pete Carroll was a retread. Like, Sometimes it's not the first team that you go to. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan has had a lot of luck, but he had a lot of coaching experience. I will tell you, I said last week that I was not enthusiastic about Mike McDonald. And as I've listened to more interviews, listened to more like real NFL people, his players and other coaches and analysts talk about him, I'm a little bit more excited. I'm also excited at the, the, the prospect of him putting together a staff and being like an attractive place to uh, – to, to like a, I guess to um to attract other great coaches, and yeah. you and I might have talked about this. I think I messaged you this, or maybe this is just something I was brewing in my head. But I think if you look at the outside of Andy Reid, the like sustained success in the NFL in the past couple of years, Mike Tomlin, Bill Cowher, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, um, these are like defensive coach. Now I think the peaks are lower when it's defensive coaches. I think that the it's very rare that a, a defensive team, a defensive-oriented team, can dominate the league several years in a row. If you want to be a contender every year, defense is probably the way to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll own that. I was like definitely uh, a Ben Johnson guy, obviously a Bobby Slowick guy. I uh, I'm excited about 
uh, Mike McDonald, but it's taken some convincing. And I also will say like the criticism I had of him last week, uh, listening to him talk, he doesn't seem like a guy who is going to turn a locker room around with a, with a rousing speech. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I think Mike McDonald is, uh, he's certainly not Pete Carroll. He's not that type of dude. It's weird to go from like a 72 year old to somebody half their age. And the guy that's half his age has less energy. Uh, but that was always going to be a high bar with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll has so much energy in spite of his age. Um, you know, obviously McDonald is young. Uh, it's weird to have a coach that's uh, younger than both of us. That's weird, right? Like, that just, is so weird. <laughs> like, when, when, it, when it became like I would have be, I'd be the oldest player or one of the oldest players or even like older than the median player. That was weird. But yes, there is now a coach in the NFL who is younger than us. I mean, pretty soon we're just going to be clinging to senior tour players, and if they're still younger than us, so or become uh, president of the United States of America is another option. Well, we should have a good uh, good run there. I think we'll be okay for a while. Uh, yeah, it, it is weird to have a coach that's younger than you, but you know when you when you listen to this guy talk, you're like, okay, it's clear that even at 36, he knows who he is, and he doesn't seem uncomfortable with that, and he doesn't seem like he wants to be somebody else i think you know when you have a younger coach the fear is that they're going to try to emulate their mentor or be somebody that they're not and maybe they just haven't figured out who they are yet you know i think there's there's a reality to that and it doesn't seem like that's the case for mcdonald he's not you know he's not the funniest guy (laughs) not the most engaging guy more of a business oriented dude uh i saw like as, as he was doing his press conference last week, I could just feel all like the very serious older type fans just really getting a hard on for this guy because he's <laughs> he speaks to them in every way they want to be spoken to. We're going to do things the right way. We're going to work really hard. Uh, we're going to be boring as possible, as boring as possible, basically, is what he's saying. And sure. that's fine. I think that, that can really work. Um, the interesting thing is that John Schneider is such a – such a wild card and I've, I've met him and crossed paths with him many times before and he's like the most fun guy in the world he is like yeah. he's like the grown-up frat boy but not in a bad way you know that can have some negative connotations he's the grown-up frat boy that just wants to have fun and he's cool with everybody and you can see why people like him and he went out and got a coach that basically is the exact opposite of his personality in Mike McDonald and maybe he feels like for him that's somebody that he can work really well with I mean I do think John Schneider has a really good grasp on uh, just reading people's personalities and like what works and what doesn't. So that I think gives me um, confidence that he made the right hire. I also feel like the, he probably gravitated, anyone would have gravitated towards John Schneider. John Schneider is such a likable dude and easy to get along with. And, you know, in talking about why he came here, McDonald said that he was taking a leap of faith and this seemed to be the right opportunity for him. You know, John Schneider talked a lot about how much he liked Mike McDonald as a person and as a coach. I feel like everybody would like John Schneider. So maybe his read on people is not, maybe it's not as good as I might think. I think he has a good read on like what a good coach and a good person would look like. But also at the same time, like everybody's going to like John Schneider because he's so likable. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how their relationship plays out. It's very clear that Schneider is the one in control, pulling the strings here. I don't necessarily think less, uh, you know, later on, we, they made a hire of Leslie Frazier as an assistant head coach. That's all Schneider. 
So it's going to be interesting to see how do, it goes. Do you here. think that's all Schneider? Because my, as as I understand it, that's actually uh, McDonald's mentor. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Then I'm completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, and but I mean that doesn't necessarily mean that Schneider wasn't involved yeah. or that that. Uh, but yeah, I I believe that he and uh, he and McDonald are pretty close. Yeah. And so and and I do think like. I do like the idea of a guy who's an experienced coach who has head coaching experience mm-hmm. being there along for the ride. Also, Leslie yeah. Frazier, not the defensive coordinator, obviously not the offensive coordinator, just assistant head coach. So, like, maybe they're allocating the coaching responsibilities a little bit differently than teams because usually when you see that, it's the, the assistant head coach is a position coach or a side yeah. of the ball coach, a coordinator of some type. That doesn't seem to be the case. And so... Is there? A, I, don't, I was actually wondering this when they hired him. Is there a cap on how many coaches you can have on staff? I know there's no salary cap, but is there, like, is the? I know there's a certain amount I believe that can be in the booth, maybe a certain amount that could be on the field. But like, are there? Is there a cap on how many can be in the organization at practice, etc.? Yeah, it's a good question. There might be, there might not be. I, I think in college there is, but I don't know about the NFL, man. It's right in if, if you, you know. It, it seems like if you can pay these guys, there's they'll find a spot for them. It yeah. is interesting. I saw a lot of people compare that dynamic to the Rams when they hired Sean McVay. Yeah. And they brought on Wade Phillips, you know, who was obviously quite a bit older than McVay and had a lot of experience both as a head coach and a coordinator. Um, but when they brought on Wade Phillips, they did bring him on as a coordinator. And, you know, having Leslie Frazier is more like a spiritual guide to Mike McDonald more than anything else. It's going to be interesting. I think that is good. It is good to have that type of person there just to kind of give you the advice to lean on. Obviously, Mike McDonald's never been a head coach. So, you know, having a guy who does have head coaching experience there, that also isn't really a threat. I think that's a that's a big piece of this equation is like you want like the wise old veteran that also isn't going to swoop in and take your job at the first right. sign of distress. And I think with Leslie Frazier there, that's a dependable person that um, no one's going to be clamoring to be the next head coach of the Seahawks unless things go really, really badly, really, really quickly. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I think it's exciting if you're a fan, just having, um, you know, a newer, younger person there uh, in control of the team and the organization. I think it's going to be, from a cultural perspective, just a complete shift from what they've had. And we know culturally what they've had has worked very well. It's been attractive to the players. Uh, It's gotten a lot of people here that maybe wouldn't have signed here before. Pete Carroll was the coach and in charge in Seattle. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if that changes at all with a cultural shift, if people um, still see Seattle as a destination or if, you know, if they have work to do, I mean, obviously if you win, that's going to speak for itself. Um, so, you know, there's going to be, I, I do feel like the most success can be had by having immediate success with this team. I think it's very important for this team to be successful early because anytime you have a first time head coach, if things start going poorly, then you run the risk of in season losing your locker room, losing some players. Yeah. And then from there, it can really snowball. So with these younger coaches, man, the the recipe for success is starting fast and winning early. So hopefully that's what happens here in Seattle. Yeah. Well, and I, and I would say my expectations, I mean, this team had playoff expectations this year and mm-hmm. you don't expect there to be a huge talent drop off from year to year. One of those guys, by the way, that and we, we can uh, segue into the next part of this because in his press conference, uh, Mike McDonald talked about Geno Smith and he also talked about Drew Locke, despite the fact that Drew Locke is not under contract with the Seahawks, 
We know that John Schneider is a big fan of Drew Locke. He was a fan of him when he got uh, when he got traded from the Broncos. He made a big post on social media, I believe, about Drew Locke when they signed him as a backup again in Seattle. And the Seahawks have, and, and we also got to see, by the way, we got to see Drew Locke step in for Geno Smith this year and perform comparably. And from, I've, I've said this the, the whole year, I've said this since Geno Smith won the starting job. I've said it since Drew Locke got traded here. To me, the difference between Geno Smith and Drew Locke is basically negligible. I think that, I think that uh, Geno Smith is arguably a little bit better. But the question is, if you, if you release Geno Smith with the post-June 1st designation, you can only do that with two players, by the way. A lot of times people will look at over the cap and stuff like that, and they'll go, oh, the Seahawks can save $80 million in cap space. You can only do that with two players. So you can only roll over the, the cap hit for two players, Geno Smith being one of the biggest ones. You could save like $20 million in cap space. Let's say, here's a scenario. You you sign Drew Locke two years, $15 million. <clears throat> First off, do you think Drew Locke takes two years, $15 million from the Seahawks? Absolutely. Okay. So <laughs> that, I would have that, to think so. That's established. So you, 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 if you save the, like, I want to say it's like $22 million in cap space by releasing Geno Smith with a post June 1st designation, take away, you got about 15 extra million dollars to deal with. You and I, I suspect whether they keep Geno or they cut Geno, I think you and I both want them to draft a young quarterback. I don't think that changes your plans at all. I think no matter what, they got to draft a young quarterback. That's what you, or that's what I want. Or yeah. use a draft pick to acquire a young quarterback, like if it was a third round pick for Justin Fields. Something <clears throat> well, not, like o- not only like, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to drafting a quarterback every year, you know, anytime your quarterback is in flux or you have a, a veteran who's been slightly above average, like Geno Smith is your quarterback. <clears throat> Fans are always going to want a quarterback sure. to be drafted. The benefit this year, I mean, there's two things. One, they don't even have an offensive coordinator yet. So whenever they get that guy, he's probably going to want to make his mark with a quarterback that he can mold. Two, I mean, the quarterback class this year and the value you're going to get drafting a quarterback in, in like the second or third round is going to be very high. I mean, there's a lot of good quarterbacks out there. Sure. Uh, there's a few at the top of the draft, of course, but then there's going to be a little bit of a drop off because there's not a lot of quarterback needy teams right now in the NFL. So there's going to be some value to be had in making a quarterback your draft pick. And then, yeah, I mean, it'd just be nice to see them um, really have somebody that they can establish and work with because what they've had the last couple of years has been okay, not great, and certainly short term fixes in both uh, Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Yeah, and so I would say the the question isn't really is Geno Smith better than Drew Locke because I'll even I'll even concede that I think he's by a small margin probably better than Drew Locke. The question is, is that difference worth twenty million dollars or fifteen million dollars? Let's hypothetically say fifteen million dollars in cap space in twenty twenty four, and what you could use that cap space for instead. So, like an example, people are already projecting Patrick Queen to Seattle. He played for McDonald in Baltimore, but is it Patrick Queen and Jordan Brooks? Is it Patrick Queen and Leonard Williams? Is it Patrick Queen, Leonard? Like that is a $15 million is another one or two impact free agents that they could put on the defense or the offense that that could mean something else. So that's to me for, if Drew Locke is willing to take two years, $15 million, if he's willing to take a team from the contract, which I don't think he's, I don't think there's going to be people beating down the door to sign Drew Locke. Maybe if if Shane Waldron and him have a have a deep connection somehow and he ends up in Chicago ahead of Caleb Williams in that circumstance, maybe. But I think 
I don't think there's going to be a huge market for Drew Locke is my point. I, I think the, the only path to being a starting quarterback in the NFL for Drew Locke is, uh, is in Seattle. There's no other team that potentially would even look at him as like a stop, stop gap sure. quarterback. So that's, I, I, it is, you know, it all hinges on Geno Smith. Let's be honest, because if they, you know, based on what Mike McDonald said in his press conference about Geno Smith, he was complimentary, but certainly not giving him a ringing endorsement. Sure. Um, and to be fair, I mean, if you're McDonald, you frankly, if you don't have an OC in place right now, you don't really know what they want to do. I mean, he might bring on an OC that really wants to work with the quarterbacks that already exist here. And he just as likely might bring on an OC that wants to draft their own guy. The, there's risk reward in both scenarios. I mean, the I hear what you're saying. Financially, totally makes sense to just release Geno Smith, save some money, and have the the financial flexibility to be able to uh, bring in some other players. Um, but if you are worried about winning right away as a new coach, um, you're gonna well, have Stephen to- Ryan. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about right now. <laughs> Stephen Ryan is a comic. He's just commenting on random Facebook posts, but they all have <laughs> all the comments have to they happen to end up here. Um, but if you want to win right away, it's going to be tough to win right away with a rookie quarterback. We know that can always be difficult. Now, do you think you're going to have better luck with a guy like Geno Smith or even Drew Locke if that was the alternative? I don't know. Maybe not. It's really going to end up depending on who they bring in as OC, which is supposed to happen, I don't know, at some point in time. We're going to talk about that. That's on our list, but that's by mistake. <laughs> we need to talk about that also because there's yeah. potentially sweet revenge coming in that regard. Yeah, so it's going to it's just going to be an interesting – the next few months will be very interesting because they got to make some decisions at the most critical positions uh, on their team, and those aren't easy decisions to be made for a brand-new coach, that's for sure. Yeah, so the there's – I, so I think whether it's Drew Locke or Geno Smith, I think that the playoffs are the expectation for me. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think the Seahawks are in a position to be drafting anyone that starts year one, whether it's Michael Penix, who I would love, by the way, um, Bo Nix, I've actually kind of started to come around on. I'm even JJ McCarthy, to be honest with you. And that's who, uh, Mel Kuyper, I recently saw in a mock draft and it's going to not excite people. But I, I think that especially if John Schneider thinks that's the guy, I have a little bit of faith. He's got some goodwill in my in my book because of the guys that he's brought in, Russell Wilson being one of them, Geno Smith being one of them, Drew Locke being one of them, guys who have been effective, more effective than they were expected to be. That being said, there's been a lot of this, a lot of conversation in the last, and I, I can't believe it's Tuesday, February 6th. I thought we were going to be way late to this story, and now... We, we still don't know. I thought Ryan Grubb would be announced either staying at Alabama or the new offensive coordinator of, uh, of your Seattle Seahawks. And we're still waiting, but that's the, that would be the sweetest revenge. Also, I'm, I'm telling you this, this is my, you tell me what you think in a second. I know I'm, I'm uh, filibustering a little bit. It sets up perfectly for Jed fish has some success at Washington. He leaves for greener pastures and guess who already lives in Seattle waiting to become the heir apparent head coach of your Washington Huskies. None other than Ryan Grubb. I don't know how I would feel as 
as a Husky fan about Ryan Grubb being the head coach of the University of Washington. But I do find it very intriguing that he's been rumored as the OC to the Seahawks because it seems like with all of his his scheme and play calling at Washington that he would actually make a pretty good NFL coordinator. His, you know, the plays that he ran there with the personnel he had is like the, it's on par with the kind of stuff like the Miami Dolphins do where it's just sure. a very interesting, intriguing playbook and just a different look than I think a lot of teams have. And who knows how well that translates to the NFL. You just never know. Defenses are bigger and faster and and better at scheming in the NFL. So there's always that to worry about. But, um, yeah, I mean, we we have to be petty about it. I know I've seen Alabama fans, you know, go myriad ways on this. A lot of them just they don't care if Ryan Grove leaves, but they don't know what they have in Ryan Grove yet. They they just know he's a name that established some sort of pedigree at Washington. I think losing Ryan Grubb, if you're Alabama and Kalen DeVore, would be pretty substantial. It'd be a pretty big loss because even though Kalen DeVore is an offensive mind himself, Ryan Grubb has like taken it to another level. And sure. if you bring him to Seattle, it would be it would just be funny. It would just be funny to me because I do think Alabama could have some struggles without him there. Uh, we'll see, man. I'm I'm looking forward to who they do hire. There's been other names floated out there. It's kind of weird how quiet this OC search has been. It's like we had the press conference for McDonald last week. It's been a few days. Granted, there was a weekend in between, and things usually go quiet over the weekend. But it really hasn't picked back up. You know, and I thought it would. I thought there'd be a name by now, or another name that was like really being honed in on but there isn't. So who knows what they're going to do? This, this one feels like I'm sure if, if Ryan Grubb got brought into Seattle, I mean, that is strictly a Schneider hire. I don't think him and Mike McDonald really have any sort of working relationship. So at that point, you're trying to, you're trying to blend two different people that maybe don't know a lot about each other or are just learning on the fly. That could be really interesting. I I would have to think McDonald would have some say over who his OC is going to be. Yeah, well, one, I agree with you. Two, I think the only thing that would connect those two guys perhaps is just two philosophical innovators, maybe like an, an admiration from afar of Ryan Grubb. But yeah, certainly I don't think that they're going to have any uh, any specific interaction professionally. Uh, Mike Hansen says he wants Eric Bieniemy, and I like Eric. I don't. I actually don't like dislike the idea of Eric Bieniemy. I will say I I'm. I think it's tough to give a lot of credit to Eric Bieniemy for like Patrick Mahomes' success for the Kansas City Chiefs' offensive success, considering they've been just fine without him. Considering he didn't call plays there. Considering he has interviewed for coaching jobs, head coaching jobs specifically all over the league and has never really seemed to be even the front runner for one. Um, that's not to say that I don't think he'd be good. I think, I guess I want a guy who is more explicitly a guy who has recently called plays, who's maybe a little more innovative. I don't know. I didn't see a ton out of Washington that made me think that, uh, like that's, that that's the dude. You know? I know that I know Bianami thought he had to like move to increase his, his stature, I guess, but Going to Washington was a risky choice and uh, has proven to be maybe not the best move that he could have made sure. career-wise. Yeah, I agree, though. I think, um, you know, anytime you're bringing on a coordinator, you want to see, like, direct results to their success. Ryan Grubb's a great example at Washington. I mean, you know he was responsible for that play calling and that playbook, and 
he succeeded with it. Mike McDonald's another good example. You can directly trace the success of the, the places he's been, the defenses that he's coached to him. So, you know, with Biennemi or, or somebody like Biennemi, it can always be tough to say who's responsible for the success because he was working under an offensive play caller who has proven to be successful even without Biennemi in place. And uh, Biennemi in his his uh, current ventures has maybe not done as well as people might have hoped. So, yeah, it's really interesting. I would just say from a coordinator perspective, the more you can trace their direct success to a team's success, the better. Do you put any stock into the concerns around Eric Bieniemy's character? Not that you have some inside information, but that you think the Seahawks would be apprehensive because of his perceived character flaws? Uh, I mean, I don't know enough about everything that he's done, and we don't need to go into it. I don't think it even matters that much at this point, but... No, I mean, the thing about the NFL is the NFL doesn't really care about character. <laughs> if you can win, you can win. If you can coach, you can coach, and they're going to find a way. And it sounds terrible to say that, but that's just the reality of the sport. I think more than any other sport out there, there's been uh, less concern for character in the NFL than in other places. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think, I think we're, one, I want to say this. You wanted to do an hour-long show. I think we're going to get very close to doing an hour-long show. We're almost there. We're very we're almost close. There. We have, uh, oh, we got to talk about the Huskies. Obviously. We got to talk about the Huskies. It is weird that, uh, obviously, everyone's been talking about this with the new uh, hire at Washington in the form of Steve Belichick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, first of all, just on the surface, what are your thoughts on Steve Belichick as a person? <laughs> Well, I don't, so I don't know a lot about him as a person. What I do know is I like a mullet on the coaching staff. Um, I'm not against the mullet on the coaching staff at all. I think that it's, I, I, and again, I think like he's pretty young, right? He's in his thirties, I believe. Yeah. Um, Brennan Carroll is, I think maybe in his early forties. You got like, I like these dudes. I like the, I, li- I mean, these guys have been around football their whole lives. I'm, you know, we talk about these dudes, yeah. uh, you know, being, we're talking about like being like known to Leslie Frazier early in your career as being beneficial. Well, coming from the, the loins of two, in my opinion, hall of fame coaches. And the, the only question there obviously is if Pete Carroll's a hall of famer or not in the NFL, yeah. he definitely is in college. Although I think he uh, is not eligible because he needs to coach one more season, which what a stupid rule <laughs> if he gets kept out of the hall of fame because of that. Um, Yeah. I mean, to me, like, it, there's nothing that's not exciting about it. I think that also, if you're looking for guys, I don't know what um, modern recruits are looking for, but I, to me it feels like, at least game theory-wise, having dudes that have spent a lot of time coaching professional football players is a good way to get college players, amateur players to come to your program. And, I mean, who knows more, who has access to more pros than a guy with the last name Belichick? Yeah, I think uh, those are all valid points. I, I'm i always intrigued when a guy goes from the NFL to college and really hasn't done a lot in college because I think the aspect of coaching, you're dead on. I mean, um, as far as his ability to coach these guys at a level that will make them successful, both in college and then potentially at the next level, there might not be anyone better to do it because this guy has been part of a, uh, a successful franchise in, in New England. Um, and also, like, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of these younger NFL coaches 
Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, those guys are the sons of coaches. That really, I think that does matter because they they come into the profession knowing what they're doing, maybe more than most younger guys would. Um, so there is value in that. The thing about Steve Belichick, man, that guy, it's like he is Bill Belichick's personality just in a smaller form. He is his dad's mini-me. That guy always, and not only, like, Bill Belichick always just kind of looks slightly annoyed, right? Mm -hmm. But you hear stories about how when the camera's not on him, when the media's not in front of him, he's actually a pretty personable, likable guy. Steve Belichick always looks angry. Like, even when he's just out there coaching and he doesn't have to look angry, he just looks angry all the time. Maybe it's the mullet. I don't know. He's just always got that face, that look on his face like he's pissed about something. So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see if he's a... if he's actually a good coach at the college level or not. I mean, the aspect of recruiting is really important here. Will recruits gravitate towards him in any way? We'll see. Um, well, and it, I guess that's kind of my question is, do you think a guy like that, do you think a guy like Steve Belichick or these guys who have these like professional prestigious head coach dads, uh, the, that lineage, do you think they have a benefit in the modern recruiting landscape where they are literally paying by the way steven ryan's killing it here he's uh steven ryan is a comic who like i he did a thing the other day like just angrily about it not getting into an open mic that i cannot tell if it was honest or not uh he's either a full-on lunatic or (laughs) or uh or uh was doing a great job acting also this is we talked about mark curry last week i did steal uh, Mark Curry's entire act. Brian Dennis is t- saying I stole, uh, Mar- but we're, we'll get Brian Dennis on sometime. He's, I don't know. He's got too straight of a job, uh, but he's got a son who's about six foot 12 at 11 years old. So, uh, I don't know how old he is or how tall he is, but he's, he's got a big boy. Um, yeah. Do, do you think that these dudes that have these like reputations or like, is, I mean, just, I know it's nepotism. It's absolutely nepotism. But is it beneficial to the programs? The other guy, by the way, that we have not talked about yet, and this is a, a time that makes sense to talk about him, even though it's a step back, is Jay Harbaugh. Is the I mean, we just the, like the the amount of legendary <laughs> coaches' children who are going to be in Seattle is insane. This is like the the uh, the internship of of silver spoon coach coaches' sons. You know? Yeah, it it is really weird. It's just a, it's been a really weird week that. A Harbaugh son, a Belichick son, and a Carroll son have all been hired in Seattle to be coaches yes. in varying degrees for the two teams here. Yeah, it's it's really weird. I mean, it's just a weird thing to have happen. And, you know, anytime you're dealing with nepotism, you don't know if these guys are actually good or if they've just happened to hang around the game long enough to, like, yeah. make friends. And there is, a real, there is a real component to that, too. I mean, a lot of these guys – a lot of coaches, when they get hired, they're going to go out and, and hire their buddies or the guys they feel most comfortable with and can trust, whether they're actually good coaches or not. So, But I do agree with this comment that Steve Belichick has uh, has some terrifying dead eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's, I, I personally, like if I saw Steve Belichick, if I was like an 18-year-old kid and Steve Belichick came to my house to recruit me, I, I guess I would be terrified to say no to him because I'd just be terrified of him, period. But sure. I, that wouldn't mean that I want to say yes to him either. So we'll see. We'll see. Hold on. I'm going to try to share some Steve Belichick images just to just to really <laughs> round it out. Um, if, uh, yeah. I mean, 
If you haven't seen pictures of Steve Belichick before, you got to look him up. I think most people probably have by now. It's, it feels like he's only been in the public consciousness for a couple years. There was, yeah. you know, he was kind of always kicking around as like a, a, a lower tier assistant with the Patriots. But in the last couple of years, his his role has grown prominently and his visibility on the sideline has also grown prominently. It's He's featured during every Patriots game now. The problem is this year they really sucked, so people didn't really watch him. But past couple of years, he's he's actually gotten a lot of run. It seems like Mike Hansen says he says he looks like Stephen Ryan's would be dad. Oh. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you're if you're a if you're like a South Sound football fan, sure. Steve Belichick should resonate with you. He looks like he looks like the kid that like grew up out of you know the RV park in your hometown. And somehow became successful. He still looks like that kid, you know? Yeah, he does have like, he would be a bully. He looks like actually a kid on, he looks like, oh, dude, hold on. But by the way, I was sharing my screen on my side a second ago. Did you see it at all? Uh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's fine. People know what Steve Belichick looks like. He looks like, like you got to look up this character on uh, King of the Hill. Hold on. Mullet King of the Hill. What's his name? Clark Peters on King of the Hill. I wish I could pull it up, but Clark Peters, you look it up on your side. Everybody look it up on your side. Uh, he's like a... Gonna, yeah, I had a guy too. I was going to say he uh, he reminds me of Bobby Budnick from Salute Your Shorts, which is a very deep cut. You'd have to be born in probably the 80s to know Salute Your Shorts, but Nickelodeon TV show from the uh, the early 90s. Bobby Budnick's pretty good. Yeah. he's. A, I will say Bobby Budnick, skinny, where Clark Peters thick thick like a like a steve belichick so okay yeah good so probably a lot of good comps out there for steve belichick based on i feel like steve belichick is a guy that uh you could probably get to come out to one of your shows and that's that's probably oh wow you've now set a goal maybe he's not funny at all but he seems like the kind of if he's wearing that haircut he's got to have some level of self-awareness right or maybe none either has no self-awareness or a lot of self-awareness to be rocking the mullet yeah on tv no less yeah all right well i think we did it i think we managed to actually fully fit this this is the deal folks just so you know folks uh i am bothering alex that if we can keep this under an hour to do it two days a week he will definitely not do it but we can put some pressure on him so uh (laughs) at alex alex ssn give him give him shit tell him you want it twice a week tell him you want it zero times a week that's feedback we need too by the way if you if that's how you feel that's that's what we need Yes. And then uh, I'm Casey McLean comedy everywhere except for uh, X where I am the Casey McLean. Um, come out March 15th, 16th. And uh, by the way, I'm posting new stand-up clips every week. I just posted one that's like some of it is actual material. I actually have like a lot of times it's just like a crowd interaction that comes from material. This is like half of a joke, half of a real life joke that'll be on the uh, stand-up special that I'll be recording in full. But in this, I did part of the joke, and then a guy got disgusted quite obviously in the front row and I reacted to it. So you're getting uh, the milk for free, the milk for free now in your clips. Listen, dude, milk in comedy. Now the milk better be for free. Otherwise no one wants to fuck the cow, you know, people don't want to leave home. So I totally understand. Yep. (laughs) All right. I'm going to end this. Bye everybody. Hold on. Hold on.